When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your weekend is not complete without the First Lady of New York Radio. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. An actor and actress, their dreams come true. They get a part in a Broadway show, even an off-Broadway show. And then devastation happens. COVID virus ran through the theater community quicker than any bunny you've ever seen. Every night, more and more actors would succumb and more and more understudies had a chance to go on and then understudies would get it. And many wonderful Broadway shows had to close or temporarily go on hiatus. How does an actor who struggles to get a part, how does an actor survive this? How long can this last? How long will a producer stand by the show and keep it going, even if it isn't on stage? What happens to these people, hundreds of them, without work, and no one knows for how long? Come meet a wonderful actor and hear what goes on behind the curtain. Plus, You're aggravated with your kids. You have one kid, two kids, three kids. I'm going to introduce you to a journalist, a former congresswoman who brought up 11 kids from all over the world. How are the children? How is the mother? Come join me today straight ahead. The First Lady of New York Radio. This is Joan Eats. During these difficult times, a lot of us are spending more time in the kitchen. I know that we're baking and we're eating cookies. We're looking for new recipes. I worked with a woman for many years, Muriel Soma, and she loved a cookie called Mandel bread. She grew up with it. And I did not grow up with this, but I remember hearing about this traditional twice-baked cookie. A lot of Jewish household loved it, served it, made it. And someone told me about a woman, a new company based in Brooklyn, baked goods company, called Wandel, W-A-N-D-E-L. And that is a woman called Stephanie Berlin's Mother's Recipe for now 2022 Mandel bread. They bake it once instead of twice, and it represents all cultures. This is a softer version of the traditional Mandel cookie. And Stephanie did a lot of research. And she found that many cultures love this kind of cookie. It's eaten by all kinds of people. She talks about using this mandel bread to unite people. 
to remind us that we're more similar than we're different. She sells it in loaves or smaller portions she called bites. They come in milk chocolate, dark chocolate, bites are $10, 14-ounce loaves are 18 totally nut-free with flour, sugar, butter, eggs, vanilla, baking soda, and chocolate chips. Go to www.eatwandel.com and she ships all over the country. She can do pickup orders in the New York City area. And I think you're really going to love it. So check it out. Something delicious with coffee and tea and homemade. It's good. Enjoy it. Taking you behind the curtain. It's the Joan Hamburg Show. Talk Radio 77 WABC. A while ago, I was really excited to hear that Mrs. Doubtfire was coming to Broadway and included in the cast is one of my favorite actors, Brad Oscar, who has a juicy, funny, wonderful, touching part in this show. And I'm sure that Brad was happy. It was a great part. And then, of course, our worlds fell apart with COVID. And the theater, which was rebounding from, you know, you were coming into cold weather, people were leaving. We thought that maybe this virus was behind us, but instead it was ahead of us. And so many shows closed or people got sick, they shut down for performances. It was like nothing we had ever seen or heard. Mrs. Doubtfire, we thought we need the laughs, we need the comedy. We need the family, and that that would be okay. And then, Brad, actors have a tough enough time. You get a great part, and all of a sudden, you're sad. You get a phone call that is like what every actor dreads, you know, that, hey, we're having a problem. So yes. when did that happen again? I, because we went to see it. We laughed. The audience loved it. Yeah. 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 No, we were having a great time. We were we were full steam ahead, albeit with an enormous set of protocols and existing in two worlds at once, if you will, doing what we normally do to put on a show eight times a week, everybody involved in doing that. And, um, and then this whole system of, yeah, making sure we kept safe and the protocols and the testing and the masking and all that stuff. And we were on top of it. And then, yeah, that little devil of a virus uh, outsmarted us in the way that it became transmissible in a new way, in a much quicker way. And, you know, as we know where we are. Okay. So yes. So it is what it is as far as like, okay, we, we knew coming back that it wasn't over. We had this definite sense that the vaccine was going to protect us, Make which it, it still better. has uh-huh. in, a, in, a, in a right in a way in the way that counts in the way that people thank God right you're aren't not dying getting so sick or dying exactly mm-hmm. so the vaccine is doing its job it's just that this thing is so contagious and this thing is so insidious that way that for an industry that is all about Kevin McCollum says we're in the droplet business you know right. we're up there you know singing dancing breathing hard I mean for us there is no way to do that safely 
You know, we're not going to perform in masks. I know people have. Some shows do. That's too hard. That's not going to happen. Of course, absurd. Not absurd, but you know what I mean. Come on, we're there to to, to enter a fantasy anyway. The last thing we need to see, unless this play is about the crisis. So anyway, um, yeah. But, yeah, we were able to, you know, stay on top of it until, uh, as, you know, and again, it's been like a house of cards. It's so funny. We're very proud to be the show that was at the forefront of the responding to this new variant exactly because we were you know we were the first show i think to to actually have to well i mean no that's not true because aladdin did shut down remember right after they started twice they shut down twice Mm -hmm. but almost every show variant yeah yeah so yeah i mean it, it just and it became a house of cards and it's and we're seeing what's happening the um the good thing, the, the, the silver lining here really is that, uh, okay, so we have to accept the facts right now. It's very difficult to do that in a business where a show is either open or closed. There are mm-hmm. no provisions that exist in any contract, in any union. And remember, there are 14 or 15 unions that all come together to work in that building right. to make this show happen. There are no provisions for what happens in a case like this when there's no money coming in at the box office. Because let's face it, also, let's understand here how the business runs. The business runs pretty much on the dollars and cents of the box office and the people in the seats and the tickets that are sold. Tickets that are sold at full price, tickets that are sold at half price, tickets that are sold at less than that, discounts, comps. You know, this all goes into what is coming in. Right, that bottom weekly, line. Right? Exactly, to pay salaries. So anyway... January, February are hard enough. Now you're hit with this. The audience, it, the audience started to dry up over Christmas. Because they're really scared. The, scary, the scariest thing. Exactly. Well, they are scared and, and understandably so. And they want to take care of themselves and their families. I get it. You know, I happen to think that being in the theater, everyone masked and really, you know, vaccinated is, is, is not an unsafe place to be, even with this variant. Because as long as everyone stays masked, these masks, you know, do their job in many ways. But... But going to restaurants, things like that, that's, you know, it's that's getting problem. very dodgy again. So, you know, yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically two months that are really hard became like deadly. Really hard. hard. And, and exactly. And there was no way for a new show like ours to get our footing when uh, a lot of our advance and group sales and stuff dried up because – when you bought tickets to Broadway shows, when we reopened, you could return them. I believe that was an arrangement made with the league and producers and whatever. So understandably so, it made people feel safer about saying, okay, I'll get tickets for January or December. But but who knows? Well, who knows? Unfortunately, the worst who knows happened. We found out. So people yeah. were able to return tickets. Groups were able to cancel. And thus, our cushion to get through January and was February gone. was gone. So, yeah. And you option. guys, you had a producer, though, unlike a lot, was willing to say, all yeah, right. I mean, we're, was willing we're... to, tr- yes, try to do things that have never been done before. God bless him, trying to make it work. And with a huge assist from Roundabout, uh, because they own our, you know, they're our landlords, if uh-huh. you will. Um, and because they're not, you know, they just own the two, the, I believe, two Broadway houses. But anyway, with their assist, Financially, needless to say, letting us because, you know, there's costs involved still in keeping the show just breathing for the next nine weeks. You know, box office stays open. You've got to do some sort of maintenance, upkeep, whatever that is. So, you know, the show has closed in quotes, but there are still, you know, things happening in these nine weeks. So um, with a big assist from Roundabout and, and Kevin's 
you know, making this happen. I truly believe you're going to come back. Oh, oh, I think we're, I know. I mean, I, God, I hate to say I know we're coming back because a lot of things can happen. And I know, you know, we need to keep our group together. We need to ideally, you know, not have a lot of attrition, um, you know. Uh, so but I, I do believe we will. And, and ideally, that will be March 15th. And that's going to depend, you know, as we know, on where this thing goes. But hopefully it's already peaking here, maybe, hopefully. And just in general, we will get through this and be even more armed for the next, if there is, or we'll see. I don't know. But God willing, uh, uh, the good thing is we are ready to get back on that stage. Um, well, please, you know, the actors could probably do it, but give us one run through and we'll be ready. You know, muscle memory is a great thing. And we did, you know, we did a couple months of performances already after already having been laid off for 18 months. So right it's in a lot of our DNA in that way. And so we'll, we'll be ready to get back as soon as we can. Right. Um, and you, your group, there's about 120 of you, including mm-hmm. all the people who make, you know, most people think of Correct. actors, but no, our no, show no. is a lot more than an actor, you you know, it's sure. a well, huge from the minute, ca- Well, I mean, look at from the minute you walk in the door, especially today now when you have your COVID safety team who's doing the vaccine checks, who's doing all that stuff. So we have a full COVID. There's, there's an additional cost, by the way, that every show incurs. Uh, which I know Kevin has talked about. So there's an additional cost now uh, uh, to keep these things going. But yeah, from the minute you walk in, in the box office and the ticket ticket and the house and the front of house to obviously all of the crew and wardrobe, lights and sound and, you know, maintenance and people who take care of the building, literally our maintenance mm-hmm. crew, you know, our guys who keep the place clean. I mean, really, there's so many people <clears throat> and we all come in contact with each other. And that's why we have an extraordinary uh, system in place at the Sondheim as far as our protocols. And that building, nobody gets in that building unless they're part of this protocol system. And thus, the virus did not spread really within the building. Uh-huh. You know, it was more the exploding in our outside world. Mm-hmm. And then people bringing, you know, in it. But, but, you know, much of our testing uh, 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 was showing, you know, would show two days before you were infectious or whatever, you know. So anyway. Now, I'm curious. I'm talking Great. to Brad Oscar, one of the stars <laughs> of Mrs. Doubtfire. And you've seen Brad in so many Broadway performances, you know, one major show after another, including the producers. Now, you have a big group, 120 people to make this show. What mm-hmm. happens? Can you guys get unemployment or you already were out of work for yeah. over yeah. a year? So yeah. what what do most people do? Do they wait, yes. hopefully, until March? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, here, it's, it's only, I say only, it's nine weeks, okay? So that's nine weeks. Uh, it's, it's a chunk of time. It's two months. It's, um, let's face it, there's not a lot of opportunity elsewhere right now. So it's not like, uh, as far as actors go, a crew is different. Remember, that they, they are able to bounce around in ways that we cannot. Musicians can bounce around in ways that we cannot. Mm-hmm. So there are other opportunities for other disciplines. But for I think for the acting company, I don't see a lot of us getting other gigs that we're going to leave for if indeed, God willing, we come back March 15th. Right. So, yeah, you go on unemployment. You try to pick up other work that you sometimes can or do in your downtime. You know, the odd funny thing is I'm not – I'm I'm used to my down. I'm used to my windows of being unemployed. Most yeah, actors who actor. are lucky enough, who are lucky enough to call themselves working professional actors, are also very used to downtime. Downtime, right? Months, you... My God, I've had 
believe me, I've had I've had my lean years, you know, even recently or so. I had a year where I swear to God, I think I worked I don't know, for eight weeks or 10 weeks of mm. the year, really, two different gigs. It just did, you know, it was what it was and blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, anyway, we're used to we're used to not working at time. It's part of the gig. You go from job to job and they don't all line up back to back. And so, then what um, do you do? I mean, you've been a working actor for at least 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So when what you have do? downtime, I mean, right. beside this hideous yeah. virus, right, right, what, right. what do you do? Well, I mean, I, I try to just I keep live, living my life. I do things. Right. Again, the virus right now complicates matters. Okay, so I would say to you, oh, normally I would say, oh, when I'm not working, well, I can do things. I can see friends. We can go to dinner. I can go on vacation right. or go away for the weekend. A lot of things we're not going to do right now anyway because of what's going on. But I can live a, a, a life that includes people outside my circle who uh-huh. live normal lives, meaning they're free at night and on the weekends, and I Which work Which you at never have been, weekend. exactly. Exactly. So I take advantage. I like to take advantage of that opportunity to be able to live that part of my life. Um, and, uh, but, you know, right now, again, right here in the city, it, you know, we're, we're out of this time again. So not going out too much. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll believe me, I'll get by. I'll go visit my folks in D.C., probably spend a little time down there just to, you know, to, to see that to have the opportunity to do that. Um, and, yeah. And hopefully, and you, again, if it all works out, we'll be back in eight weeks because I'm sure we'll start the week before to get it with, back on its feet. Right. And you you yeah. know, because even when you started in the crazy business, you started <laughs> as a swing, as an understudy. I did. So yes. you, more than a lot of people, can look at all these understudies who for a moment yes. were all working oh, yeah. because everyone that they yeah. were understudying got COVID. <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. No, so you've the one been good there. Thing about the yes, uh, yes, the one, the one extraordinary thing about what has just happened in the last month of Broadway uh, 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 that was spurned by, of course, and started by a, a silly comment from from someone in the industry um, is the respect and admiration, recognition, and for a lot of people, total understanding for the first time of what an understudy. And a swing, especially. No one really knows what a swing is. I mean, a lot of people know, but you know what I mean. A swing is not a common understudy. People understand what that term is. But anyway. For but people wait, explain, then, yeah. Brad, for those who don't know. For those who don't, a swing, a swing. an understudy, uh, an understudy usually is going to refer to someone who is in the ensemble or the chorus, as people will refer to it, but we refer to it as the ensemble. Someone who is in the ensemble, not a principal role, who covers a principal role. So in other words, they will step out of their ensemble track and they will play the, the, the lead role. They will play my role. They will play Frank Hillard in Doubtfire, but usually they're in the ensemble. So they're an understudy, basically. A swing is someone who is not on stage unless, because they cover the, the ensemble. And those, so in other words, the understudy who's going on for me is then going to be replaced by a swing. We have, uh, well, we now have a couple more, thank God. Mm-hmm. We have three men and three women off stage who are swings. They amongst them, and they're responsible for principal roles too. We have an extraordinary group of people. Every, you know what? Every show has an extra because you know what you hear every time someone does a show wins an award. It's the best cast. It's the best company I've ever right. worked with. It's the greatest group of people. You know why? Because every time on most of, on Broadway, especially, it is these people are top of the shop. So every show that you're seeing, that's the depth of talent and ability. Um, and that's been on display. So anyway, a swing, 
basically then covers all those ensemble tracks. And then, as I said, sometimes a principal role, too. Um, so it's a huge responsibility. It's a huge amount of material to keep in your head, you know, and depending on the show, you know, a show that's very dance heavy, you right. know, Susan Stroman show. My God, that's a lot of information. <laughs> Well, I'm talking to Brad Oscar, yeah. one of the stars <laughs> yeah. of Mrs. Right. Doubtfire. And we're talking about almost every show. There are lots of things that are still up. Well, I wouldn't say lots, but there are. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but Mrs. Doubtfire taking a break until March 15th. So it's closer than we think. Do you mm-hmm. guys get together to do run-throughs, or you get closer no. to opening again when you do? No, they all, no. We we will gather because we gathered like monthly over the big hiatus, the eighteen months. Um, uh, so we're going to have even this Friday. I think we're having just sort of a group Zoom. We've had we've had we you know we've kept in touch that way, but that's just you know again socially and the family that we create as you do with each show you do that it becomes uh-huh. your your big dysfunctional family. So, yeah, so we basically have had these Zooms, and we're going to have one on Friday night, and literally that net is cast to, like, 100 people or so, and whoever can show up and is around or whatever, and we say hi and we check in. But, no, again, technically we are unemployed right now. So, no, we're not going to get together and run the show or work or whatever. And and also, as I said before, we're, you know, it's everybody's responsibility when we get back to be ready to get back. So people Uh who need to sit down and look at their script and go over it and and rehearse the numbers in the living room, they'll do it. Uh, uh, Those of us who have much easier jobs at the Sondheim, uh, it's not going to be, you know, believe me, muscle memory is a great thing Uh in that respect. And so, yeah, my challenges are not as huge as many. So, um, you know, I mean, again, like to be a swing right now, when you're learning all this stuff and you're actively and now have this downtime, you know, that Mm. can be tricky because it, part of it is the, the repetition and the hearing the show every night. And even if you're off stage, not doing the show that night, you can follow a certain actor backstage. You can just watch the show on the monitor and follow that act. You know, I mean, you have ways so of keep you working. Can, yeah, you, you know, can they, do they, it. They, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's interesting because here actors, it's a struggle anyway, even for the best of them, because there are yeah. long periods of time in between the next gig. But don't sure. forget, if you're put on hiatus for whatever and now we have a plague that's affected the entire industry all over the country how do you live you know the the actors don't get paid when they're not working even if they're in a show so that for so many people who may not have established themselves yet this is a toughie you know back to busing or waiting tables or yeah, doing something yeah. and even that business yeah. they can't, yeah, can't exactly. get help I mean, but sure, it's, it's a suffering no it's believe me it's uh yes it's terrible it's terrible that yes that this is the reason you know we're used to shows closing because no one's coming That's, because the show's yeah. not so great or whatever it's run its course or whatever it might be um but this show this our you know in many shows right now no the only reason they're closing is because our audience has, has dried up again in that way you know, God willing, it's coming back sooner this time than it did last time because uh, where, of where we are and, and what we know is going on. So, you know, we're hopefully not in this for the, again, for another long haul. That would be just disastrous. And, and yes, um, but yeah, it is. It's hard enough. And, and this, yeah. And now with these whole set of circumstances, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, 
It's crazy. Well, we're we're so, going to yeah. be positive and make sure. Exactly. I really am. I'm trying to stay optimistic and think that, you know, this will pass sooner than later. And and there will be, sadly, yes, there, there is loss and attrition. I mean, there already has been some great shows that deserved, obviously, that more time on a Broadway in. stage. You know, it, ha- it that is sad. That is sad. Um, uh, but, yes, but big picture, you know, yeah, we're going to get through this and and find some, you know, new place to hopefully settle and, and make it all work. All right. Well, Brad, we yeah. wish you and the whole uh, crew all the best. We look forward to seeing you back on stage in March. And yes. meanwhile, enjoy your family. Uh, thank you, John. Do something it's great special with you. You too, honey. Uh-huh. We're, we're you. with all of you. And uh, thank you so much. We're going to take a break now, but don't forget, and you can buy tickets now. And we've got to be optimistic. Broadway is the heart of this great city. It's what keeps tourists coming here. It's what keeps us all sort of sane. So, as they say, from Brad's mouth to God's ear, and we're all ready to roll. All right. All the best to you. Uh, Thank you. Take care. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYPD. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. I just finished reading a really amazing book. And during these times, I'm telling you, it is inspirational. It's going to make you feel good. And it's going to question a lot of things and a lot of things that occur in families. I'm talking about Marjorie Margolis' new book, And How Are the Children? Marjorie was a member of Congress from Pennsylvania, a journalist for almost all of her grown-up life. She's a woman's right advocate, and she's a mother. I lost count somewhere along the way, but at least 11 And many of you will remember, I'm taking you back a long time, when Marjorie as a journalist was covering Korea and other places in the world. And she then, a young unmarried woman, ended up adopting a child, a foreign child. That's something that was really quite startling then. And Marjorie, if you recall, also was the vote, the deciding vote in favor of President Clinton in 1993 in his budget. And in a way, it was it hurt her political career and certainly helped his. So, and I've known Marjorie, I have to tell you, a long time, but our paths crossed through journalism. But Marjorie, you lived in Philly, you lived in Washington, you were not a New Yorker. So we knew each other through work, you know, the way you know people who are in your world. But 
we weren't friends at that time. I have to tell the story. I will tell the story. <laughs> Our children roomed to- we're, we're really good friends. Did they room together? I don't think they roomed together. Brown. Yes, they had one a- of those houses when they were all oh, in right, it together. Right, right, right. yeah. Coincidence um, that it was your daughter and my daughter. We didn't set them up and we didn't know. And my daughter kept on saying to me, you got to meet Joan. Joan, come on, you got to meet Joan. Joan. Joan's the person for you, et cetera. And I am driving from Philadelphia to Washington. Remember those days where we didn't have cell phones or anything? Right. And I and I and I and I find your your radio program, and you say I'm waiting for a call from my daughter, uh, who just returned from visiting her friend. Now your daughter is in Japan, right. just returned from visiting her friend Lihei, um, and we're going to be talking about the visit. And I'm thinking, holy moly, that's my kid. And um, she's so in Korea. Your daughter then. Right, Michael. She was in Korea spending part of her junior year at Yonsei mm-hmm. University. And when I got to Washington, of course, uh, the first thing I did was call you. And we've been friends ever since. Right. Isn't that fun? And Marjorie had said to me, you know, I can't believe this because I have tried to get hold of my daughter and I couldn't get her. And there were all kinds of things going on in Korea then. Demonstrations, right, yeah. Demonstrations and kids, and you were really worried. And suddenly in your car on the radio, you hear me say, my daughter Lizzie was visiting her friend Lihei in Korea, and you almost went off. Isn't that wild? Yeah, a coincidence. You called me, and that was it. We've been friends ever since. But Uh explain, let's... And how are the children? It's the your issue, story. Well, well, well but, but let me tell you about the title. Um, I started an organization called Women's Campaign International because I, I headed our um, our delegation for the Fourth World Conference before most of you were born, except Joan and I were definitely alive uh, mm-hmm. in 1995. Um, and when I got back at the White House, they said, basically, we got to get more women to the table. So I started this organization. Actually, at Annenberg, the University of Pennsylvania, gave us our first big grant. And um, when you travel around the world, you pick up all these wonderful phrases. The Maasai warriors do not say, um, so how are wow. you? <laughs> they, say, <laughs> they say, and how are the children? So that's where the title of the book comes from. Which is a great title. And that's where you picked up many years later because people do ask you all the time, what happened right. to all those kids? What are they doing? And you certainly had a mixed household that was unbelievable. And I remember once we, I forget, it was some occasion for one of the kids. It was always an occasion. And we went <laughs> to visit you in this sprawling house in Pennsylvania. And it was like, Maybe two kids, you know, there were 11 of them, but it was like everyone sort of did his or her thing and it worked. Oh, my. Yeah. And one of our kids um, who no longer, unfortunately, is with us. Boy, do I miss her. Holly um, was huge character, huge, uh, half Vietnamese, half American. She would walk into any kind of dinner party and she would say, are we going to adopt any of these people? Um, <laughs> she was great. Uh, yeah, no, it was. It was. It was one of those. House, and sometimes it didn't work, you know. But they, they were terrific. And honestly, um, and they say this too, they, especially uh, 
the littler ones, you know, the little who are no longer little, but they say you can drop me any place and I can survive because we had such a, a an odd. The best one though, and the one whom I, um, yeah, you know, you don't want to say you're the favorite child, but I really do like this kid. Um, we were walking on one of these, you know, we take these nine kids or so, ten kids, depending on who was available on a vacation, and um, we're walking on a beach one day, and Vu uh, said to me, and I'll tell you about Vu, um, said to me, what would have happened to me had my folder been on a different desk that day? And that's exactly what this book is all about. I mean, it's it's looking at how this strange group of people got together and survived the peaks and troughs of having a family like ours. But Vu, uh, we, when we moved back to Philadelphia, we were in Washington for a while because Ed was a member of Congress. And well, wait, let's was- let's explain. When this all started, you were a young journalist. You were covering, I think, orphanages. Was that accurate in Korea at that point? No, one of... One of- I started out in Philadelphia, and, and in a strange way, I was always interested in, you know, in kids' stories and everything. And I, I went to several of them, these picnics of these Korean kids who had been adopted by American families. And mm-hmm. I, I, they were just adorable. And actually, I said, you know, I really could adopt a hard place kid. So I started to look into that. At the time, for very good reason, the, 99% of the hard place kids were African-American. And they were trying to place African-American kids for very good reason with African-American families, certainly not single families. And I started to go to these Korean picnics, and I thought, oh, wow. And, and I started to talk to the, the organization called HOLT in Eugene, Oregon, and they had certainly never dealt with anybody like me, ever. I mean, they hadn't dealt with a single person. They, certainly, they were fundamentalists. Um, and I, I said I'd love to do maybe a follow-up. I talked to the folks at the, the station I was working at was a CBS-owned and operated station. And I said I'd love to do a follow-up. You know, I'm, I, I will go to Korea and, and I did my own and I brought my own camera and every and, and they gave me a camera. Um, and that's how it started. I went to Korea to do a follow-up on these these orphans who at the time were coming in, in into the United States in numbers that were not not anymore um, that were quite uh, quite amazing. And um, and that's how it started. And I got there. I had papers. I had, you know, the, the people in Philadelphia were wonderful. They did a home study. And I got there. And as, as I was ready to leave, the, the person who ran the orphanage there, who was a gem, called and said, we picked a little girl for you. Would you like to meet her? And, and she I was think, considered, right, hard to adopt because she wasn't a baby. And most people wanted infants. She was a, she was seven. And right. uh and, you know, and, you know, Lehi, uh, you know, she walked over and she didn't speak any English. She said, how do you do? And that was it, you know. And uh, and then I got her in on a student visa, which hadn't happened because I was single and I needed a husband to bring her in on an right. I-600. Um, and, and, and that's how it started. It was 1970. And she was and I wrote a book called They Came to Stay. Mm-hmm. And in this book, in, in, in this this book and how are the children? There is a chapter basically saying they stayed. Um, so, uh, and you know Lehi. I mean, Lehi is just one one in a trillion. Uh, right, just, amazing. <laughs> she really is. Uh, and she hates to, for, for us to talk about her, but too bad. She's terrific. She has three kids. Uh, two have graduated from college, it's hard to believe, and one is right. in college. 
and she's just she's great. And she was extraordinarily well adjusted. And I mean, I think that even you didn't know because you were a young woman yourself and, and here you adopted this child. And it was like, wow, this is not so hard. You know, she she just, <laughs> right, was like right. a duck in water. She, whatever it was, she went with it, this kid, and made it work. She really did. And, um, and she, uh, immediately, she, she was just, she was easy. She, you know, I can remember going to pick her up at, at, at her school um, afterwards. And, and the kids came, came, this is like three months into her being here. And the kids came out and they said, Mrs. DeSantis told us not to laugh when, when Lee Hay read because she doesn't, the English is not her first language, you know. And, and then one of the kids said, and she's the best reader in the class. <laughs> um, that it was, was and that's what Lee Hay was. Yeah, Lee Hay just Lee Hay just worked, um, you know, and still does. At everything she does, and ultimately, I mean, each one of the children has a story, and Lee Hay, um, Marjorie found her brother's, a relative, whatever, so that I can't believe you remember this stuff. You're really you have a good memory. Well, yeah. and I also read your book. So, but I do remember all of that, and I and I do recall the brothers and the aunt, and you know you provided history, which is so important for kids, who if they can find it, who are adopted yeah. or fostered, it makes a difference. And then Marjorie adopts another child, a Vietnamese child. Now you and then met your then husband. Was it after? You adopted your second child? Yeah, yeah, both of them were adopted. Uh, so I was single with these two um, uh, children whom I ado adopted from 1970 to 1975. Um, and, I mean, Holly, the second one, half Vietnamese, half American, came smoking. Uh, she was pickpocket, and she was really good. Um, mm. and, and she was also seriously the most hilarious person I've ever met. Right. She she was a total survivor, a complete total survivor. Very smart, very smart, but but never but was always a survivor. Right. Um and you a know, street she, kid. She was a, a real street kid. And uh, but funny, oh my God. You know, um Ma, you're supposed to get married or pregnant first. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she was just she was just a riot. And um, then other children came. And what was interesting, Marjorie, is you married, he was a congressman at, right. at that time, and he was receptive to, you know, first there were one, then there were two, and then there ended up with his kids too, being right. 11. Right. He, he did. My parents thought I was certifiable, and he thought I was a little nuts too. But, but yeah, he was very, very willing to uh, um, join the party. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, life kept going on with all of these adventures. And as you say, the forward of the book is by um, Hillary Clinton. And in fact, Marjorie's son, well, we never mentioned, but in the midst of all this, she, <laughs> Marjorie, had two of her own children with her then husband, Ed the congressman from Iowa. Correct. 
Okay, yes. so you had your two sons with Ed. Right, and then, and then we had this wonderful, this, uh, definitely eccentric, uh, the, the woman who came as the mother in this refugee family. Um, but Vu, the son, is, is just has been totally amazing. Uh, so we had this refugee family come, which I've, you know, which I've mentioned, and uh, it was supposed to be a mother and a little boy. And um, then there were two cousins, and they said, could you take the cousins? And then several years later, um, they found the husband in Vietnam in an education camp, So they, and they lived with us for 25 years. Mm. You know, I, know. I, I remember, and it was so long ago, when we went to visit you at some point, and I remember that the mommy would sleep on the floor. And I said to you, does everyone sleep on the floor? You know, with all these kids. But culturally, that was what was comfortable to, for her. Oh, and, and, and uh, one of the stories which <laughs> Mark, Mark used in his... Your uh, son. When he, Mark, bio kid, um, you used in his essay to college was... Um, we have an un- we have a bizarre family, and uh, Mrs. Shu, this is Vu's mom, the mama, yeah. um, figured out and knew that you needed acid in in in, um, in gardenia plants. We had these gardenia plants in our in our living room, um, so she had Andrew um, uh, make a wee wee uh, every morning into the gardenia plants, um, <laughs> and every now and then. And, and, and every now and then we would have uh, guests, and Andrew would go to the gardenia plant. Show off! Oh, he wanted the yeah. plant. Yeah, yeah, oh my and gosh. Uh, so yeah, and uh, he he would, uh, and I would walk over to him and I say, "Sweetie, if there are people here, you can't do that." Um, yeah. Uh, All right. Um, well, yeah. We have to have you hang up your phone. Uh, that's Marjorie's exactly what getting I just a call. Okay. And I'm talking um, but, to Marjorie um, Margolis, and how are the children? The story of but let me let, let me just let me just tell you, we had the biggest gardenia plants in the world. Go on, <laughs> we, we, the flowers were just huge. I'm you, sure. yeah, apparently, you need some acid. Yeah. <laughs> well, the boys are too big now, and Marjorie uh, raised a family of her own children, adopted children, sponsored children, stepkids, and. They all sort of blended and contributed to each other's lives. And Marjorie, too, has had a fascinating life with all of this. And things have changed a lot, though. I don't mean necessarily in your life, but in the adoption world. Are people adopting the way they did years ago from Vietnam, from Korea, or have they made it tougher? Well, I'm kind of not not as well as I should have, but I've kind of followed the adoption world, and it's it's a very different world now, very different. First of all, in 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 under my umbrella, you know, which which has been working with Holt Adoption in Korea, um, they it's very very difficult and hard to get these kids in now. Very, uh, the woman whom I work with all the time, Susan Cox from Holt, um, she is just. She has families that are waiting to get kids in from China, and they just can't. They, no more, they, right? It's very, very difficult. International adoption has become mm-hmm. extremely challenging, um, but it, it, it's a completely different world. Uh, and 
and the hard to place adoption thing has always been a challenge, but it's even more challenging now. I'm such a huge, huge fan of um, of trying to include these kids in uh, your families. It, it's it's uh, it isn't right for everybody. And believe me, as I say this to you, Joan, you know better than anybody else. It doesn't work all the time. I mean, no, the not all the time. Of, oh my gosh, the peaks and troughs of this kind of effort and family and you know, oh my goodness, um, are, are are pretty dramatic. But as I look back on it, uh, I think, wow, um, <laughs> as strange as it was, that it was really worth it. Um, it's it's a real challenge now with COVID because everybody, as you can well imagine, is going, except for your friend Lehe. Lehe and her husband Ken just got back from South Africa. They only they would tour. do that. <laughs> only do it, and they took them on a safari. They had a fabulous time, and they were okay. Yeah. No one got sick, right? Nope. Nope, nobody got sick, and uh, they just had um, – part of it is that so many people um, were not going there. I mean, they were – Exactly. Uh, you know, that uh, – but, yeah, but Lee Hay and, and her family are, are in, in really good shape. And, and Avu and Amy, that that's, you know, the, the Vu the I told you about. The foster family, family, right. Well, it, actually, it wasn't the foster family. It, it was uh, – we um, – uh, we, we we were sponsors, which is uh, it's in a different uh-huh. category. Different. But um, yeah, um, they just a couple couple weeks ago they just came down with COVID. They're fine now. But mm. uh, do you know anybody who doesn't know somebody no. who came down with COVID? I mean, with the just, new the, the new variant, the new variant. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. as we said, almost everyone. It's if they don't have it, their kids have it or their friends have it, or their neighbors have it. It's spreading like wildfire, and it still is. Fortunately, oh, in many people, it's milder. But still, you know, it's not a good idea to be inside with a crowd of people because the chances are you're going to get it, no matter what, that way. Yeah. No, it's really, it's bizarre. I, well, you, you you know, you know, it's just, yes. So um, we're, I went on. I went on a kind of an official delegation to Sudan at the end of the summer. Um, everyone was double vaxxed, Everyone, um, and we met with, you know, with the president, vice president of both South and North Sudan. Uh, although, if you've been following that, it's a mess there now. Uh-huh. Um, Big mess. Half of us were former members, and half were businessmen. And six of us came back with COVID. Mm. Um, but the other, the, you know, the Delta variant. And, uh, and and I highly recommend you're staying away from it. Right, but that's you, a bad one. Uh, your your wonderful daughter, Lee said your your daughter just has been. She went to visit you, and she said it was just extraordinary how careful um, you and your and and Liz were. And uh, well, and Liz, I know. I mean, I, don't forget works in a business that deals with a lot of older people. You know, tech for older people. And she is so aware of the danger of her spreading it. So they are really careful. You walk into my apartment and the front table looks like a hospital waiting room. There are masks <laughs> and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And you know, yes. And yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Well, no, I mean, you can imagine how careful uh, the um, the the Chappaqua group that Mark and Chelsea and the kids are with uh, with Bill and Hillary. I mean, it's just they're very very careful, um, well, and uh, yeah, right. And uh, I must say, Lee 
not Lee Hay, Marjorie's son married um, the Clinton daughter. So, you know, the world goes around in all kinds of interesting ways. And I was interesting too, Marjorie, that you give a lot of advice on bringing up kids, how to talk to kids, and you limited it, you said, to what, 12 words, if you could? 12 words. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to worry about counting them, but just don't go off on on, on a tangent, which we have a tendency to do. Um, yeah, just limit it and, and be direct. Mostly it's about listening, you know, trying to figure out where the child um, is coming from. And uh, yes, I, I, I'm, I'm a real believer in, uh, you know, although sometimes, especially now, I look back on it and, and you know, I mean, if my kids got up in the morning and said that they didn't feel well, I was mm-hmm. one of those mothers that would say, come on, go, go. tough it out. <laughs> <I remember. laughs> yeah, t- I can remember a call from a nurse at one of the schools who said, I, your, your son is in, your, your, your son is here. And I, of course, said, can you t- ask him his name? Um, and I, and I heard Mark say, it's Mark, Mom. And she, she, she said, I told my mom I didn't feel well. And the nurse said, well, he's projectile vomiting. Um, <laughs> I said, oh, I've got a lesson. I've got to listen to he's not he, He's not one of those hyperbolous kids. Um, yeah. But I, I, everybody, not anymore. You know, now, especially with the kids with COVID, it's just it's a whole different day. It is, and and COVID is definitely affecting a younger population. The book is a great read, Marjorie, with all the kids, and it's it's amazing to follow their stories, and also um, with your own children, whether they're your biologic children, adopted, foster, whatever you do, there are all kinds of stories that are going to make you feel good and give you a lot of opportunity to hone up on skills which most of us don't even think about. Good job, Marjorie. Oh, Joan, thank you so much. When when things clear up, we've got to... I'm looking you. I don't like this. We'll do it soon. <laughs> it's going down. We're waiting for it. I'm Joan Hamburg. We're going to take a break, and you're listening to WABC. The First Lady of New York Radio... This is Ask Joan. Consumer Reports in their December issue did a story that raised the red flag for a lot of adults, many of whom are back in their kitchens cooking using spices, using recipes. And here's what Consumer Reports found out, that arsenic, lead, and cadmium may be in our spice cabinets. Really, December issue. And you can go online to read it, consumerreports.org. Now, no one wants heavy metals in their diet, especially kids. And the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, says that even small traces of lead can negatively affect a child's intelligence, ability to pay attention, academic achievements. And Consumer Reports says that heavy metals in adults can contribute to central nervous system problems, reproductive problems, hypertension. I hate reading all this. They can damage kidneys, immune functions. And where is this? 
It may be in your spice cabinet. The magazine tested 15 kinds of herbs and spices used in cooking. They didn't test baking spices like cinnamon or nutmeg. And they tested a total of 126 spices and herbs. They went to 38 brands and they looked for arsenic, cadmium, and lead. They looked at store brands and private label brands like Great Value, Walmarts, McCormick's, Spice Islands, Costco, Trader Joe's. And they show that out of 126 products tested, 40 in total had high enough levels of these findings of lead, of cadmium, of arsenic to pose a health concern for kids in a typical serving side. 31 products had such high levels of lead, they exceeded the maximum amount that anyone should consume in a day. Now, the good news is that seven of the 15 brands didn't have any concerning levels of metals. And these seven were black pepper, curry powder, coriander, saffron, white pepper, and garlic powder. Also, none of the spices tested were contaminated with salmonella bacteria. You do have choices. Consumer Reports had a complete list of safe, no concern products on their website. There were only two herbs, thyme and oregano, that Consumer Reports found no brand that was considered safe. All the thyme and oregano products had concerning levels of heavy metals. Other spices found at least one product that fit in their no concern list, like basil and ginger. And by the way, if something is labeled organic and doesn't mean that the product is less likely to contain the metals, like Trader Joe's Organic Ground Cumin made the list of concerning products. So what can you do? I was not happy to read this. It's now time of year when we do not necessarily have herb gardens or fresh herbs. But here's the first thing. You can grow and try your own herbs, particularly oregano and thyme. You don't have a garden, you live in the city or you live in a place where there's no access to outside space, put an indoor thing on your window box. A lot of supermarkets now, now sell small potted herb plants you can grow right there. Wegmans has organic thyme plants for $2.98. You can also on Amazon get Planter's Choice Indoor Herb Garden Kit, $34.99. You get nine reusable pots, three nutrient-rich soil discs, nine bamboo markets, and nine packets of premium seeds, including all the good herbs that you like, thyme, oregano, basil, dill, parsley, cilantro, all of them, they're good. And check their list and get the ones that you know are not going to harm you. I mean, we don't need bad news now, but the thing is, you can do something about it. And if you're using a lot of these products and you've got young kids, you really should pay attention and be careful. Okay, guys, we're coming up to the three o'clock break. Thank you so much for sharing the Joan Hamburg Show. Don't forget, 
You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram. Go to our podcast. This show is podcast every week. And we've got another podcast called Let Me Tell You. And I love that you're all part of it. So every Sunday at 2 o'clock, we gather together. Enjoy the rest of the day. I'm Joan Hamburg. Thanks so much for joining me. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.